Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Sharon Srivata. I'm the CEO of Kingston Lane. And if you want to level up your inner circle, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another interview here on the Build Your Network Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to bring my friend Sharon Srivatsa here on the show. So, uh, Sharon is the CEO of Kingston Lane, a push-button technology execution platform for real estate. Sharon is a serial entrepreneur, sought-after keynote speaker, and a respected thought leadership resource for publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Success Magazine, Huffington Post, and even Forbes. Most recently, Sharon led Talus Properties' unprecedented 10x growth over five years and a four-year consecutive streak on the Inc. 500 fastest-growing companies list, resulting in its acquisition by national real estate powerhouse Douglas Elliman. He also has the 5AM Club, uh, which now has uh, over 3,000 people jumping on a call with him every single morning at 5 o'clock a.m., and it's totally 100% free. It just started as a small accountability group for him and a couple buddies to make sure that they were up and at them early and making sure they get their little dose of personal development in before they get into anything else. And now it's a phone call with thousands of people on it. I highly recommend checking that out. 
However, a couple of things that Sharon and I talk about in this episode are uh, number one, getting his MBA. And if that had a big impact on his successes later on down the road, how he took Telus properties from $300 million to $3.4 billion in just a five-year period of time, and what he's most excited about doing right now. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you guys. But first, really quickly, you listen to this show for a reason. However you heard about it, whether it was Google or iTunes search or share on social media, one-on-one convo with me, something about the title, Build Your Network resonated with you. It means that you're like me. You realize that the single most important factor that contributes to your success is your network. Well, after years of learning, growing, testing, and implementing, I'm finally putting together an all-encompassing online training called Explode Your Network. It is my complete framework that is guaranteed to exponentially grow your connections, level up your inner circle, and shorten your runway to success without annoying your contacts or printing a single business card. This is everything that I know about networking and connection all in one place, and I'm currently looking for a test group of about 30 people to get in at half price before it launches in May. If any piece of content that I have ever released has added value to you in the least, then please stop procrastinating, take control of your success, and head to travischapel.com slash explode. That's travischapel.com slash explode to start investing into what we both know to be the most important aspect of your career. And now, without any further ado, here is my chat with Sharon Srivatsa. Sharon, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Travis, I uh, thank you so much for having me. I, folks don't realize how hard and complex it is to just get amazing you know, people like you've done on the show, putting it all together and doing it so that people can listen to you and grow their networks, their relationships, and their business. And I just want to salute you for all the time and effort you're doing, putting into this, and just for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate that, man. It, it is it is a lot more than I thought it was going to be. I'll just say that. <laughs> but it's totally worth it because I get to have conversations with people like you on a weekly basis. So it's been a been a pleasure of mine and I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's been a while coming, but we we finally made it happen. This is awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. So uh, there's so many different directions we could take this, man. But let's go ahead and start here at the beginning, build some context. Tell me about how you got started with all of this. Like what, what were your goals and dreams for your life when you were in high school getting ready to come into the college age? Yeah, so uh, this is a story I haven't shared. I've only started to share a little bit more in the last couple of years. So I was born in India. And I want to emphasize, Travis, that this is a this is not a story of, hey, look at me, what I've done. This is more a I came from almost nothing, and if I could put it together with a lot with a lot of help from people around the world, I think anybody can. So this is more an anybody can story. So I'll tell you this, and this will this will really mean a lot to you and the listener. So I, when I was younger, I was a young kid growing up in India. I was uh, I'm still tone deaf, so no music. I'm still colorblind, so I can't do any art. I didn't really hit my growth spurt until I was much later. So I was a, I was a young, small kid. And Travis, I got bullied a lot. Just being, a, I was colorblind. I was tone deaf. I had a, you know, almost 10 symptoms of ADD, ADHD. And there were times when I would just have to walk down the hallway in class from one class to another class. And Travis, I would go around. I would take the most circuitous route around the school so that I wouldn't get bullied and punched. And my parents, and it took me a, you know, a, t- a lot of time to realize this and tell the story, but my parents, even when I was 10 years old, realized something was wrong pretty quick, and they didn't really know what. 
So here's what happened. My dad and I, I still remember this day. It was June 8th, 1990. And my dad and I were sitting on this park bench. It was the day after my birthday. And he said to me, he's like, hey, he's like, you know, we don't have a lot, but we got to focus on something. We got to get you a skill, a skill, a ticket, something to get you out of India because this environment's not the right fit for you. And I want to get you to either Australia or the US in an environment that supports you more. And Travis, here's what I'll tell you. Uh, Fast forward a couple of years. My parents sold every single possession that they had. They sold everything, everything. They moved into their cousin's home and they handed me, when I was 16, they handed me a check for one year's worth of college tuition. Everything, all expenses paid for one year's worth of college. And they said, hey, go to the States, do your thing. If it works out and you can provide for yourself for the next three upcoming years, fantastic. If not, just come back and we'll take care of you. So I was not the guy that showed up with $25 in his pocket. I was the guy that showed up with one year's worth of runway. And dude, for that, I am super grateful to my parents because they gave me the start. And so my, like, my biggest lesson around this is I always tell people who want to jump into entrepreneurship, who want to you know, kind of beat the grind of the nine to five and want to be a business owner, an entrepreneur, an influencer, or like what have you. And I say, listen, the easiest way to do that is if, you, if you're running two lives, if you have a side hustle, et cetera, it's really difficult. See if you can do whatever it takes to give yourself one year's worth of the runway, just like my parents did for me, because now you have the ability to think more long-term and create more long-term. And that was a really, really big lesson that I, that I got from my parents. And ever since then, it's always been, hey, how can I give myself a one-year runway to build something solid? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, what a great, great testimony from your parents too. Just, just like the fact that they that they're willing, first of all, to sell everything and then give it to you to at the at a chance for a better opportunity. But the fact that it was just for a chance at a better opportunity is really where I find the most intriguing. Like they did it knowing that hey, we could be giving him everything that we have, and then in three years from now he could just come back home and we're starting from scratch. And the fact that they were still willing to risk that is absolutely incredible. How did that? really play into your mindset coming over into the, uh, into the States? So it's crazy that you would ask that. I'll tell you a story. Um, the first, so I, I show up and details are really important because uh, it will really bring the story to life and I'll, I'll walk you through what happened. So I, I show up on the first day to campus. I walk over to financial services in college. I hand them my check with pride and I'm like, here you go, right? Here you go. Here's my one year's worth of everything paid up front. So the lady looks at me and she's as nice as can be, unwelcome. Here are your keys to the dorm room. And by the way, since your check is an international cash uh, cashier's check, it's going to take 10 to 14 days to clear. I said, oh, that's fine. No problem. And I didn't have any other money. So I hit, I didn't even have money for food. So I hit for the first few days, I hit every campus pizza party possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I short of shoving pizza and cookies into my jeans. I did everything. I, I ate as much as I could. And I drank so much root beer, Travis. It was not even funny. Like this root beer floor party and the pizza parties were like the number one thing on campus. So I did that. And a few days went by and there were no more parties anymore. And I was uh, walking around campus. I hadn't eaten for a couple of days. And uh, it just still happened that I was walking by a dumpster. And I saw two guys throw two big boxes of pizza into this dumpster. And now the first thing I thought was, all I thought in my head was, oh, cool. Like, you know, I wish I could eat some pizza right now. And the next thing I thought was, well, I haven't eaten for two to three days. That pizza is fresh. They just threw it in there. I'm just going to wait till it's dusk. And so it's what I did uh, with a lot of courage. I waited till it was dark since I didn't want to be embarrassed. I jumped in to the dumpster. I grabbed the two boxes of pizza. I had a couple of slices. And I put my hoodie on and I ran to my dorm room so embarrassed because I'd never had to do that before. And I ate, I rationed the pizza out to myself. And I said, wow, okay, I, I'm okay for another day or two. And I did that. And then it just so happened again, which is where the tough part of the story comes in. Travis is walking by the same dumpster again. And I saw a couple other people throw these two big Subway sandwiches into these dumpsters. And I just saw it happen live. So I did the same thing. I waited. I waited till it was dark outside. I jumped in the dumpster. I grabbed the Subway sandwiches. And then I saw something, the great American dream. I saw a big box of strawberry Pop-Tarts. Never seen that in my life before. I just showed up from India. And I, I want to vividly paint this picture to you. I saw the streetlight streaming in to the dumpster. I'm holding these two bags of Subway sandwiches. And it was just lit up like a spotlight. It lit up this strawberry Pop-Tarts. And right at that time, as I was reaching in to grab those, something smacked me on my face, something. And my face started to bleed. And I started to look and I was in a close environment fight with a raccoon inside the dumpster fighting for this box of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> no way. And I still remember the cold claws slap up against my face. I'm holding my face right now as I'm talking to you. I grab the, the Subway sandwiches, I grabbed the box of Pop-Tarts. I mean, I had committed to it. And this is fight or flight. So I, I kick in the direction of this raccoon. I don't even know what I'm kicking. And I jump out and I said, oh my gosh, I need to choose 
whether I run to health services and get a tetanus shot or whether I, <laughs> whether I eat this box of, you know, eat this, uh, this pop tarts. When I did the right thing, I sat down and I ate the pop tarts. That is the right thing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Then I went to health services and, you know, got a tetanus shot. And that's when, as I was walking back to my dorm room, I realized something. I realized that I didn't have the courage to tell my parents that I didn't have the courage I couldn't tell my parents that, hey, I didn't have no money for food and they had to wire me more. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And I've held that story for over 20 years. And I shared that recently and my mom wasn't very happy. But, but what you, you know, if you and I, to our children, if we sold everything that we had and that's what happened, that's really a tough blow for my parents. And so I, I didn't have the courage to bring it out and, and share it with them. I'm better talking about it now because our lives are very different. But I have the courage to tell them now that, hey, that investment, mom and dad, that you made in me, look at what has happened. And I'm very grateful for that. But what I realized, Travis, was everybody needs some reference for a low point in their lives. They just need a reference. I'm not saying you or I have to go through that. I know you went through a time where your wife supported you and you, you really got some clarity thinking and working out and be like, how can I serve this world? Like I had to hit a low point. And now anything that happens in my life, I think I have a lot of fortitude into being able to create better relationships, deal with more risk than most people can only because I know that that was a low point and I survived that. And it was just a, a milestone, a marker that I'm grateful for. And so my, my tolerance and threshold for pain is so much higher. Yeah, you know, I've had this conversation with a couple of people recently, and I find it fascinating that it keeps coming up over and over again. Do you think that you say you have to have a reference to a low point? So does that mean that you need you don't necessarily need to be that person, or because I, I find that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Ron, but I find that a lot of people that I know that kind of grew up middle class actually have a more difficult time in excelling to the front of the pack because they grew up like with everything being just above poverty, right? Like everything's taken care of. It's super comfortable. It's super mediocre. There's no, that you're, you're not wondering where your next meal is going to come from. But at the same time, because you're not, you also don't have the drive and motivation to like go out there and make stuff happen for yourself. So you just get stuck in the rut of like staying comfortable forever. So do you think that one of those experiences is almost necessary to get somebody like moving in the right direction? I believe so. I believe that one of two things need to happen, Travis. And I think you're spot on. Media, like the middle class lifestyle that many of us lived. I mean, we grow, grew up that way. It was just okay. And, you know, I didn't know any different. The environment starts to condition you to be just okay all the time. And I think that's what you're referring to. And I think it's one of two things. Either you need to see adversity happen in and around your life, or you need to be so dialed into the emotion of that adversity. And that's why... You know, I'm a big believer in coaching. I'm a big believer. I, I spend a lot of money on coaching. I'm still believe, I'm a big believer in mastermind groups. And a lot of people go to mastermind groups to get ideas. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, I was in the mastermind group with Travis. He told me how he got, he built this amazing podcast and changed all these people's lives. I'm listening and that's cool to me, but I am trying to find that reference point that where Travis went outside kind of the, the bounds of a normal distribution, right? That's what I'm looking for because I want to somehow emotionally connect with the experience that you're telling from state. And the reason I shared like, you know, I'm in this dumpster, I can smell the heat, I can see this streetlight streaming through. The reason I'm sharing those details is for someone to actually picture this and feel the emotion around it so that it creates some form of an emotional or chemical reaction to saying that, yeah, I, I never felt 
you know, fighting a raccoon in a dumpster, but I felt all the details of Sharon going through that, it at least should create some chemical emotional shift where I can talk to that person right now. I can, you can connect with that person in that level. So that's why I believe that anytime someone, you either have to go through it or you have to be around great storytellers who describe it so very well in the state of that happening to you. But somehow you just, like you and I, Trav, just need a state change. Unless we have that state change, it doesn't happen, right? And I think the state change is what is the most important. Yeah, yeah. And I think adding to that a little bit is that it also comes from like this underlying misconception of what's actually needed in life to be happy and fulfilled. Because I think people's attachment to the comfortable part is what keeps them from pursuing something that might not be as comfortable to obtain, if that makes sense. So like they have this idea that, well, I need to have this type of a job. I need to have this type of a house, this type of a car, this type of these types of clothes, this type of gym membership. Like these are all things that I need to have because culture and society puts it on us to make us feel like we need those things. When in actuality, like we need food, we need water, we need shelter, and that's about it. So like we have this thing where we, where we think in order to be happy, we have to have all these other things. And so if I take this giant risk, if I really go for it and put it all on the table, what happens if I don't get those things? And now I'm going to be like lower than all my other friends. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be reaching up to the standard that society has for me. And so at that point, I'm going to be a failure. And I think that it's that fear of like not being comfortable or, or the fear, yeah, the fear of not being able to be comfortable that keeps people from ever leaving their comfort to like chase after something that is actually what they really want to do and what is, is going to make them fulfill their dreams. Does that make sense? You're totally spot on. And I have a, just the, the one thought around this. I raised I have two children and I try to raise them a little differently on some lessons that we have learned. And I think you hit the nail on the head, which is in our lives as we grow up and we, for example, when we ask for something, it is always attached to our rationale. So for example, my son will say, well, dad, can I have this? And generally I ask why. We ask them to rationalize why they want something. And society has forced us to rationalize why we want something. So, hey, I want to drive a Rolls Royce because, right, this is rationalization, because successful people drive a Rolls Royce. I want to live in a big house on the ocean because successful people, you know, live in, I want to be the CEO of a company because, and I learned this from an amazing coach. His name is Dan Sullivan. I don't know if you know Dan. He said to me, it's okay to want what you want without rationalization. So, and I said, well, what does that mean? He said, just say, I want a Rolls Royce. And he's like, how does that make you feel? I said, eh, okay. He goes, well, then you don't really want it, do you? You want it because you want to rationalize why you want it. If you ever have to rationalize why you want something, you probably don't want it. And there's this amazing, and he wrote this little book and it's called Wanting What You Want. And I love it because a few CEOs that I mentor, I always ask them, I'm going through this conversation with the CEO right now that I mentor and she, her company's exploding. And she is saying she wants to move into this big space and her, all her executive team is telling her, Hey, we don't need the space. Like we should build a virtual culture, but she's like, I want an in-house amazing culture. And so as an, as an advisor to her, I'm like, Hey, wanting what you want is okay. You don't have to rationalize it. And Travis, the amazing part is when you start to get people to just tell you, I want blank and it comes from a place of love and integrity and no judgment and no rationalization, we actually, like you said, we don't want that many things. It's so amazing. Like we just want, we only want, you know, we want, we don't want stress in our bills. Right, right. We want, we want what everybody else wants instead of what we actually want. <laughs> there is this, uh, uh, I'm a big movie buff. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. It's called Italian Job. 
Oh yeah, totally. It's uh, that's that's my wife's favorite movie. So oh, is that right? Like, there's that. this scene yeah. when you know when they first grab all the gold and they stand around in the Alps and they have a beer in the hand or whatever, and they're talking about what each person wants to do, and then it finally comes to this one guy and he says, "Well, I'll have one of each of those," and we are that person. We're like we want one of each of those. But we don't know what we want, and I if we can just say I want blank and do it with love and integrity and that as if no one is going to read that list. Oh my gosh, like we would all be so much happier and so much more stress-free than ever before. Hey, what's up, fellow and future networkers? Want to listen to Build Your Network a day early? Download the Himalaya app and follow the show for exclusive first access. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters, aka me, some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free. It's the easiest platform to use, and they're adding cool new features every single day. So go to the App Store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Build Your Network once you're there. Totally, man. We're, we're, we're going to get into a lot more of this kind of stuff a little bit later in the conversation as well, Sharon, but I kind of want to go back into your story a little bit. So talk me through like literal dumpster diving and then what your, the rest of your college experience looked like and then what did you do right after you were done with college? Yeah, so what happened was, so I, um, I'll fast forward, I was a... Um, computer science and math major. This is somebody that was ADD, ADHD in high school, couldn't actually even do math, borderline dyslexia, found great math teachers, except fell in love with the science. I was a computer science math major. Fast forward my senior of high school, uh, senior of college, I went to present at a programming, at a computer contest at UC Berkeley. And I was presenting on stage, and Travis, you will not believe this, Someone, this guy comes up to me after, and he's like, yeah, he was one of the judges, and he said, you didn't win, but the idea that you presented was so amazing that I have just funded a company and I think you should join these guys. And I was like, who are you? And what are you talking about? And this is all during the boom. So this was 1999. So this was during the technology boom. So we, you know, kind of the call of the right place, right time. And so I met with these guys. Uh, my, at that point, the, the, one of the judges of the competition was a VC angel investor. He introduced me. I joined after I graduated from college, I joined these guys and we built this company from scratch. I was young. I didn't know anything about anything. We raised $27 million because the market was that hot and we were building hardware and software. And uh, I was not on the part of the executive leadership team. I was just, you know, I was an early employee, but I had, it was great to have equity and options and things like that because as one of the early guys there, the VCs realized that, this company can't be run by 20-year-olds. So they put a professional management team in place, which was very needed. So we, the four of us, the four partners, uh, the original guys, we got the economics didn't work very well in our favor because the professional management team came into place. And that company went on to being acquired by a publicly traded company for over $500 million. So however, if I had known structurally what had happened to me, my ownership was completely compressed 50 times lower because of the deal. So if instead of making $50, I made one, right? Then now we can just multiply that out with zeros. So as a 21-year-old, yes, I made decent money from that exit, but I learned a lot. And I said, never again is that going to happen. I'm going to learn how to go and structure good deals 
and have that because I believe that that's a high income skill and that will never, what happened to me then will never happen to me or any of my family ever again because I got, not that I got screwed, I just didn't read the contract. I didn't understand the mechanics of all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, you said you said that was a, a high income skill. What do you think are a couple other high income skills? Awesome, right? So I think there are, you know, three, I always talk to our uh, CEO clients and a mentor, I think there's three big high income skills. So the first one is communication. Generally writing, writing and speaking are very, crucial high income skills, right? If you can't write or you can't speak, how do you get your idea out there? The second is presenting. Like how do you actually present in a boardroom? How do you present in a living room? How do you present on a webinar? Presenting is completely different. And the third to me, and this is why I love your show and what you stand for is the network. We live in a network. We're network organisms, right? We, there's never been a time where you have found like one lone person living on the savannah. Like that's not who we are. We are pack animals. And so if you're a good writer, speaker, if you're a good presenter, closer, number two, or if you're a good networker, those are the three skills that can exponentially grow anybody's wealth, anybody's influence, anybody's impact. So I always ask CEOs that I mentor, hey, pick what you like best because it has to be one of the three or something else that I don't know, but one of those three you need to impact the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love I love this conversation because I love that word exponentially that you used because there's so many ways to grow and to become successful and to achieve the goals and dreams that you have for yourself and all that stuff. But why not do it faster? That's one of the big things that I like watching people like you and talking with people, a lot of the other people that I've had on the show is that success loves speed and momentum is one of the best ways to really grow exponentially. And so when I, when you use that word, I, I try to pay attention a lot when that word comes up because I try to like really capture, okay, I know that if I try to stick with this for like 25 years, I just know that I'm not wired that way. Like I'm gonna have to see something happen pretty soon. So I would way rather be like, I'm way more interested in the exponential growth rather than like, well, let's just do one, one person at a time, one person at a time, one person at a time. It's like, well, why don't we just do a hundred, a hundred people at a time? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, I think you nailed it because that's gonna, um, I'll, I'll skip ahead one story and I'll, I'll share the exponential stuff in just one second, because that actually came about because of a necessity as opposed to a by design framework. So after we sold our first business, I was, I, I realized that I, you know, I'm going to just like you, I was going to take some time off. So I was a pro tennis player in, in, the, in the past. I took, I was very fortunate from the exit. I took five years off. I was a teaching pro, tennis teaching pro in resorts around the world. So I spend a year in the Caribbean, a year in Dubai and a three years on Maui. Uh, working in the resort business, all in really high-end resorts, Four Seasons with Carlton. And I learned, Travis, I learned more about human psychology there because you go through a Four Seasons training program, it is completely different. Like when you and I walk into an Apple store, we buy a computer and we take it home and we paid $1,500 and we're like, okay, I paid $1,500 and I got this thing to take home. Well, you and I go to the Four Seasons in Punta Mita in Mexico and we are there for three days. It rains for two and we come home and we're just all we have is our experience. That's all we take away. There's no, nothing tangible. And so that's what they teach you right there. Like every word that you use, every time you walk a, a resort guest to a, you know, to the destination that they want to go to, they almost program and teach you how they teach you, they program empathy into you, which is insanely powerful, right? Like I, everyone would ask me, Hey, where, where would you wish your children ever worked? And uh, before all of this, I would have said, Oh, I want my children to work at Goldman Sachs or whatever. And I, that was not it or Google. I just want my children to work in hospitality because if we can install empathy into my children, 
their life would be so rich. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and it's funny because the three, the three skills that you talked about earlier are all made easier if you're empathetic, if you have the ability to be empathetic with people. I found in networking and communication. And what was the, what was the third one that you said? No, it's, it's networking, present, presentation, communication. Presenting. Yeah, exactly. All of these things are like, if you, if you have empathy, you're going to be better at all of those. And yeah, I, I 100% agree with that whole service thing. My, my background's in all door-to-door sales. So that's what I feel like with where I'm going to push my kids in the direction of like doing something where you have to interact with people and learn and increase your emotional intelligence somehow. 100% right. And I think, and, and so even the smallest of things, like I would be at a, I was a good tennis player. I would be at a Four Seasons. I'll give you a very simple example. I taught Bill and Melinda Gates tennis. Because they showed up at a resort, like they showed, and, and it was amazing. And they, of course, they were on pseudonyms, and they show up, and I'm like, "You're not John and Becky. Like, I know who you are." <laughs> uh, and I didn't, not one word about you know Microsoft or anything. I just, I and, the, and Bill told me at the end, he's like, "Thank you for not making a big deal about it, right?" And I said, "Hey, you're here to." I told him, I was like, "You are in my office, and and this is the only time I know more than you." It was the funniest <laughs> thing, right? It was awesome. And then I real, I realized that I was kept going back to, hey, how do I do the structuring thing? How could I do this better? So I decided I want to learn, I want to learn deal structuring and how deals work. So I went to business school at Vanderbilt for, so I got my MBA. And then I was in, I was at Goldman Sachs in New York for Goldman Sachs and Credit Suisse on the investment banking side for six years. It was amazing. Travis, it was like, I was in the boiler room. I took I was in a Goldman Sachs training program and you'll, this, will, this will blow your mind. I was in a Goldman Sachs training program, just 30 MBAs from schools around the country. I had 39 individual one-on-one interviews to get that job, not including phone calls, dinners, lunches, networking meetings, none of those. 39 scheduled individual multi-city one-on-one interviews to get the job. And I never wondered why when I got there, I realized they had, they said, you know, for six months, they train you. It's almost a million dollar per person training program. They put you through on, on their dime before you actually talk to a client. And the funniest story I have there is on day one, they hand me a no limit Amex. They hand me a Blackberry and they hand me a headset. And I asked my managing partner, I was like, I understand the Blackberry and the no limit Amex, but what is this headset? And I kid you not, he tells me, Put the headset on, but don't plug it into anything. I said, why? He goes, I want you to make that feel like a part of your body because you're going to be on that all the time. <laughs> so for six months, I plugged a head, put a headset on my head and it was plugged into nothing. <laughs> yes. That this is, this is, these are the things that they don't tell you when you're getting your MBA, I'm assuming. And that's why now, even today, when I jump into my office, I come on, I put on my jacket or take off my jacket. I put my headset on. It's plugged into my phone, but I can't work and focus without my headset on, which is just weird. <laughs> yeah, totally built that, built that habit of productivity wearing a headset. Totally. And you talked about the exponential and here's the exponential story for you. The, my client, one of my clients at Goldman Sachs, he was the same person who was the angel investor in my first uh, company. And he said to me, He's like, hey, Sharon, I've invested in this company in Southern California. It's a small real estate business. Since you're my advisor, can you come out and spend some time with their founding team? Because I think you can give them some perspective on how to grow their business. And this, because they started their business, this real small real estate company in Beverly Hills, right at the downturn in 2008. I was like, wow, that's tough. So I said, hey, you're my client. I'll, I'll do anything for you. So I, sh- I show up and I realized that there's so much opportunity in their business plan. And they, they were just, the partners were not seeing eye to eye. So I made a recommendation. I said, hey, listen, if you did these 10 things, your business will soar. Well, they did three out of the 10 things the week that I, I left. 
and the company started to do better. So this guy called me again. He's like, hey, Sharon, what would it take for you to come and run this company full time? And I said, wait, what? I'm totally good. I love my investment banking bonuses at the end of the year. He says, no, you will never look back once you've been an operator. You've been an advisor these many years. You will never look back once you can control your destiny and your future. So I said, well, if that's the case, then I need to have operating control. I need to have control over the board. I need to make whatever decision I want. So we started to make, I reverse mortgaged my house. I spent, I cleaned out my savings. I borrowed from family and friends and I bought out as many of the owners at that time to, so that me and this, my mentor could get operating control of this business called Telus Properties. We had uh, 35 real estate agents in one office, roughly selling about $300 million in real estate because of the Beverly Hills prices and a small company doing okay. And so uh, talk about exponential. I walked in on day one, I ran some numbers and I said to the board, Hey guys, if we want to all make money and do well in this business, we're going to have to do close to 3 billion in sales in a very short amount of time. And they said, what do you mean in a short amount of time? I said, well, real estate cycles are generally about seven years long. We are just starting on one on the upward trend, assuming it's going to take two years to either sell the company or exit or do something else. Seven minus two is five. So we have to go 10 X in five years. And everybody just started laughing at me. And I said, well, here's the deal. If we can do 10X in five years, I'm in. If we can't, and I'll drive it, I'll build it, I'll grow it. But we need to go from 300 million in top line sales to 3.2 billion in top line sales. If we did that, we're all going to do really well economically and they'll have a great fun ride and there'll be a story. Like it'll be a growth story, a Cinderella growth story. And that became the driving force. So at the end of last year, actually, we were fortunate to do that. We grew the business from 300 million to 3.4 billion, 10X in five years. And at the end of 2017, we were acquired by a company out of New York called Douglas Elliman. One of the, uh, uh, it's the publicly traded real estate company. They acquired us for one of, you know, kind of a Cinderella exit for everybody involved. And it almost one of those things that went according to like the four point plan that, that we set out, which was, we had a lot of bumps along the way, but I never believed that I could have ever hit. The 10X was very, a very mathematical exercise for me, but when it came to life and looking back, it's very, very gratifying. Yeah, I really, I really like that you use the phrase "do well economically." <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna start taking that and using that. Basically, instead of saying "get filthy rich," <laughs> I, li- I like that you say "do well economically." That sounds, just, it rolls off the tongue so, uh, so nicely. I'm gonna start using that. It's also interesting, right? Because people just look at a, these big top line numbers. No one realizes that there's debt, there's equity, there's taxes, there's a lot. I mean, we all, we all did fine, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. But I'll tell you, the biggest learning from all of this, Travis, is I can never not do anything 10x, like lower than 10x ever again, because I'm just, I bit the bug, right? Everything else feels like I'm just schlepping off. But I learned, I learned a lot through that process. And it was more a, hey, for us all to do well, that, that's what this was. But a lot more growth happened personally than did in any other aspect. Because one lesson, which I'd love for you to comment on, because you've, you've talked to so many great entrepreneurs is the biggest lesson that I learned taking the business, growing at 10X was you cannot just 10X one part of your life in isolation. It just, you can't do that. If you're going to 10X a business, like I have to 10X as a leader. If I have to 10X a leader, I have to 10X as my communication skill. If I have to 10X that, I got to 10X my physical health. If I have to 10X that, my family has to be a, so I have to 10X that. I have everything, everything gets a level up. You just can't 10X one part of your life. Because even if we said, hey, I'm going to go get 10, like six pack abs. That's cool. But to get six pack abs, you got to like wake up, you have a better routine, you have better health, you have better family relations, you have better everything. So 
I always thought that, oh, you know what, I'm just going to show up and work really hard and 10x the business. But I didn't realize what it did. It just, it just lifted my entire life up. I'm a better person overall because of that happening. I never thought that that would be the really powerful byproduct. Do you think that you would have been like capable of doing or seeing all those results had you not gone back to school, gotten your MBA and gotten that experience at Goldman Sachs for a few years? I don't know. Great question. I don't know. I'd say the Goldman experience was really powerful. I learned a lot through that process, but those were all very mechanical skills. The call it the fortitude, the, the intestinal fortitude of taking risk and the how to think how to think and believe in yourself, how to have a bigger vision, how to, ha- how to develop new high income skills, all of that, we just learned on the job. And it's not like I walked, I mean, I was, 12, I don't know, not even 30 years old when I took that over. So I was 29. And that's in a business that was, that had a lot of people over the age of 45, 50. And everyone was like, hey, who's this young buck coming in telling me what to do? I had to learn everything on the job. And Yes, there was really good foundation from having built and sold a business before, having a lot of empathy from the Four Seasons days, having the technical expertise of financial modeling and understanding deal structuring. I think I had all the raw materials, if you will, but no one had taken the ingredients and made a pie, if you will. The, the pie was being made live. Yeah, yeah, totally. So have a very successful exit from uh, Talus Properties after just five years of being there, which is in, in incredible. Now you are the CEO of Kingston Lane. Can you tell us how that came about and then what exactly you guys are doing and what you're up to there? Yeah, so the, the, what I realized, Travis, was there, as I was working through, through my time at Telus, I met a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of salespeople, and I just realized that there are three big things that most people need from, if you're an entrepreneur, a service provider, or a thought leader, there are three things that we always needed. Number one, what we needed was uh, personal growth. Essentially, hey, how can I become a better person and so that I can serve my community well? Number two was, hey, what kind of systems can I have in my business so that I could scale? And number three was, what kind of skills can I develop? I always thought about, so if I looked at somebody's business, an entrepreneur, a thought leader, a service provider, I would say, huh, if they just had better personal infrastructure, wake, sleep, routine, health, diet, exercise, they would just do better. Or if they just had systems to scale, they're just in hustle and grind mode and it got systems and scale. So the platform that we built, which is the Kingston Lane platform, it is actually right now, the pilot is in the real estate vertical and we're going to grow across verticals, but it is to build systems and skills in each of the verticals. So for example, if a real estate investor, real estate professional wanted to grow a business, what we do is we actually build all the systems around it so that they don't have to. We build the marketing funnels, we build the email autoresponders, we build the websites, we build the landing pages, and we just teach them how to use it so that they can go and just leverage their high income skill and they don't have to be stuck trying to figure out, hey, do I use ClickFunnels for something else? So our job is almost done, we call it done, kind of the done for you revenue generating machinery, which is systems that we just install in people's businesses. And my goal is I wanted to launch it in the real estate vertical first, because we knew that vertical very well, and then go into, you know, kind of mortgage and insurance and speakers, thought leaders, etc. have them leverage their high income skill, why we do all the systems and scale. How long have you been up to this project? It's coming up on a year now. So just a little over nine, 10 months. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And what are the like long term? Like if you're saying, this is my goal, is this a five year company, a 10 year company? Is this something you're looking to do for a long time? What are the goals here? Yeah, great question. I, uh, I think after having this is my fourth company. So I want this to I would love for this to be a no exit company. I want to build my entire life around it. Cool. Cool. That's awesome, man. Sounds like you definitely know the uh, know the industry and uh, know what you're doing in terms of all the back office stuff too. So um, if you are in real estate, you should definitely be going to Kingston Lane and checking out some of the services and products that they have to offer. I want to get into a little bit of a networking specific conversation. If you look back at this whole conversation, it's sprinkled throughout the entire conversation, even like at the very beginning when this person introduced you to this person where you got this opportunity and all like it's sprinkled throughout the whole conversation. We've already touched on it, but I kind of want to dig in a little bit deeper here. This is a question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Good question. I believe that who you know is more important and I'll tell you why. Because I think about this where, so Travis, uh, you and I will just take a little example. Let's say you and I wanted to start a company and you built this stuff from the ground up. You built this podcast from the ground up. You built your business from the ground up. What operators like you and I do is we say, oh, okay, I need to build a website. So what do I need on the website? I need content. Oh, what? I need content that I need a, I need a landing page. I need a landing page. I need a funnel. I need a funnel. I need autoresponders. What else do I need? Oh, where do I go to get the autoresponders? Oh, if I get there, who's going to write the email? Well, what if I need a pop-up box? Well, what do I do with chatbots? Like essentially we can come up with so many of the what's all the time and the what's are always never ending. However, if we can just say, oh, I need to build a great, a great website. I need to build, launch a great business. Who do I know that has launched a great podcast? Oh, I should just call Travis. I should pay Travis and I'm done. I am done. You can go through the 90 steps of what, or you can have the one stop of who and just compress decades of experience into days. So I, I'll give you the funniest story. I was at a conference and it was a small leadership conference. I'd never hired a coach before. I was probably 21 years old, just sold our first business. I was, I was thinking about it. I go to this conference, there's probably 30 people in the room and this lady, Travis, goes up on stage and she starts talking, only 30 of us in the room. And her message is, you know, it's one of those times when whatever she was saying was deeply resonating with me. And whatever question I had, I was taking notes furiously. And whatever questions I had, I, as I would think about them and I was about to raise my mental hand, it just seemed like she had this telepathic connection. She would naturally answer the questions as they came up in my head. Yeah, just, just one of those people where you feel like, man, I have to meet this person. 100%, right? And, and I knew that I would have no access to this person because I have no cred, no relationship, nothing. So on my way home, I, was call, I called my dad and I said, hey dad, like I met this lady, she was amazing. I didn't even meet her, I just talked to her. She just talked to me, I just took notes in the audience. And I said, I believe that she can be an amazing mentor to me. My dad said to me, he says, pick a number, a dollar amount that is painful, but you can still afford. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, pick a dollar amount that is painful that you can still afford. And at that time it was $10,000, right? So I said, 10 grand. He goes, okay, here's the email that you write to this person. He says, dear so-and-so, my name is Sharon Trivatsa. I was in the audience. What you shared with me blew my mind. I would like to offer you $10,000 as a symbol of my seriousness. I still remember my dad's words as a symbol of my seriousness. And all I ask is that you prioritize a few pieces of email communication to me. I don't need any meetings. I don't need any calls. I just want to write so I can get your thoughts from time to time. And I said, dad, are you serious? And he said, totally. So of course I did it. Within minutes, she responds. She says, is this a joke? <laughs> and I said, no, not at all. And so she said, write it up and send me a contract. I wrote it up. I just hit print on the email and I, I signed my name and I just scanned it back to her. That was my first coaching relationship. 
And she was the who, not the what. Like she helped me tell new stories. She helped me figure out a high income skills. She helped me learn to be a writer. She helped me. She helped me. She, she always said, when you're inside the bottle, it's hard to read the label. And like that always sticks with me. Like when I'm inside the bottle, she's like, you're pretty good, Sharon. You get it. But I see things so much easier that you can't see. And that's why it's easier for you to give me advice than for me to give myself advice, right? And that was my first coaching relationship. And since that day, which has been close to 20 years now, I've always had a paid coaching mentoring relationship, always. There was a time in my last five years where I actually paid more in coaching and mentoring and mastermind groups than I actually made an income. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. If just kind of like estimating off the top of your head, how much money do you think you've invested in that kind of stuff throughout your career? conservatively over a million dollars. Yeah. So this is something that's so hard for a lot of people to understand because it's never taught to us to like, for some reason, everybody's willing to open their wallets when it comes to college, but then post college, (laughs) nobody wants to open their wallets to have education or opportunity or coaching or mentorship. Like it just, it's just total disconnect. And then people associate paying high dollar amounts for coaching as a scam instead of like a real opportunity to learn an actionable skill and be connected to a group of people that you would have never been able to be connected with. But it, it literally every single successful person that I've, that I've brought on my show, Sharon, has spent, or I say spent, has invested insane amounts of money into building their network, into growing their knowledge base, all of these kinds of things that sometimes you can't exactly measure if it's going to come back, but you just got to trust that it's going to. Like it will come back. And if you're not proof enough, if like people like Grant Cardone, who said he's spent millions of dollars and stuff like this, like if these people aren't proof enough, I don't know what's going to be. Just take that first step. And I love the advice that your dad gave. Spend like, think of a number that is not comfortable, but still doable. And look for somebody that can help you for that dollar amount. I love that advice. So I'll tell you, I actually um, give you a real number. A lot of times people are like, oh yeah, Sharon threw out a big number like that. It's not, for you and I, whoever it is, that's a lot of money, right? Like I, my, my wife knew that. My wife will not listen to it. My wife is, she's fantastic. She will lose it if she knew that number. <laughs> but for example, when we sold Tell's Properties and I was starting kind of going, building a new business, I really had to go from a brand new perspective of, oh my gosh, like I have 800 people to I have nobody anymore. I'm starting as a solopreneur from scratch. And everyone was like, well, you have the cash, just write a check and like bring people on. Well, that's financially irresponsible. If it's startup, you got to build a startup, Right. So I hired, um, and you know, you know this, I hired Craig Ballantyne. Craig, a uh, really great guy. I hired Craig for one day, one full day to, for a very specific set of um, questions and support and guidance that I needed for $30,000. So I wrote Craig a check for one day. It was like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. over and lunch. We did the whole full day in Laguna Beach, and I wrote him a check for $30,000. So, and you know what? I will tell you, <laughs> that was the, <laughs> it was like the cheapest investment ever. Because my relationship with Craig has blossomed so much. He's spoken to my audience and my community. He's helped a lot of my personal clients. He has introduced me to a couple of people that he's coached that he wanted me to take on because he thought that I would be the right fit for them to help them scale their businesses. Like I, Craig, it is more than 10x value. And this is not even in a year. This happened nine months ago. So when people think about this stuff, it's just, it's very true because what, like you said something, I bought speed. Craig was like, I'll do a one-year coaching program. I was like, no. Do take your gear and give it to me in one day. Like I'm not, I don't want to talk to you once every other week for 12 months. I want you to take the whole day and give it everything to me right now. 
And that's sure I could have gone on a 12 month installment plan, but I got everything that day and I was able to now build a new business. Now we have thousands of users across 10 plus countries on our platform that would have not happened without what Craig did for me. And we, again, it goes back to the who, not how, right? Like if I were to st wanted to start a new venture, a new podcast, a new now, I would call you. I'd be like, Travis, can I, what is your, pick a number and that's a check for the day. And can you just mentor me? That's all I would say. 30,000 sounds good, man. <laughs> you got it, brother. <laughs> hey man, look. Look, I, I honestly, we could, we could chat for so much longer here. We obviously have a lot of these things in common and could definitely uh, keep this conversation going, but we're running out of time. I do want to respect the listeners out there and move on to something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions and some quick random answers. You ready? Yep. What profession other than your own, do you think it would be fun to attempt? I would like to teach first grade. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk with them for an hour, who would it be and why? Buckminster Fuller, Bucky, the revolutionary kind of science fiction guy. I think that he was way ahead of his time and thinking about what the world could be. And I am a big fan of possibilities. And I just love how he always, everything was a new possibility for Bucky. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? I love podcasts, which is why I love yours. And I do it, uh, a lot of it. I think we spend a lot of our time on what, what I call dot time, doing other things time. And I just like to fill my doing other things time with such a curated, these are all just beautifully curated conversations. And audio is just really powerful for me. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I very simple. I wake up at 4.45 every morning, uh, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I was never a morning person. And I run what I call the 5 a.m. club, which is a phone call, five minutes at 5 a.m. Pacific time every single day, 365 days a year, five minutes at 5 a.m. It started out with just me and three friends. The three friends invited three more, three more invited 10 more, 10 more invited 30 more. Today we have 3,000 people on the call. Five minutes at 5 a.m. It's free. It's 5amclub.net for people who want to anchor their morning routine. So I have a 3,000-person accountability group, if you will. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're the one running it, so you kind of can't not show up. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> what is your go-to pump-up song? I have the tiger, baby. Yes, yes, that's a solid one. What is something that you are not very good at? I'm not a very organized person. I'm tidy. I can put things in buckets, but I'm not very organized. Like to me, I am, if a project is a zero to a hundred, I am very good at zero to 20 and 80 to a hundred. I'm very bad at 20 to 80. Got it. Got it. And as we get everything wrapped up here, man, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? Thank you for asking that. I'm putting all my time, effort, and energy on Instagram, which is just my full name that you can find in the show notes at Sharon Trivatsa. I'm spending, I just, for some reason, I just fallen in love with that platform and I found it very easy to share and connect and communicate. So my first go-to of giving and sharing and putting out the ideas and the content and the connection is on Instagram. So please feel feel follow me, follow me if that's uh, of interest. Perfect. So head over to the5amclub.net to learn a little bit more about that. It's totally free. I highly recommend checking that out if you're trying to, like Sharon said, anchor your morning routine. And then if you want to see more of what Sharon posts, I highly recommend doing that as well over on Instagram. That's at Sharon Srivatsa. That's S-H-A-R-R-A-N. S-R-I-V 
A-T-S-A-A over on Instagram. Just start typing it in. There's probably not too many people out there. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'm guessing. So uh, just head over to Instagram and uh, start following some of his stuff over there. Sharon, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Seriously, I had a fantastic time chatting with you. You know, man, likewise. And I just, I, I want to underscore the fact once more that it's, no one realizes how much effort this takes and you not only do it at home, but you do it on the road. And you have, you have done such an amazing job of curating not only great guests, but pulling out amazing conversations. You have a gift, my friend, and I'm, I'm very honored for you to have me on. Thank you. It's really, really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about how we've been able to get some of the guests to come on the show, I've created a totally free resource called Meet Your Hero. So if you'd like to connect with people you respect and admire that are difficult to reach, you're going to want to go to travischapel.com slash hero to take action and start that training today. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.